was a Buster Posey walk-off. Yeah, Buster Posey has just wrapped up his press conference. News came out yesterday that he was calling it quits, and he is officially retired from Major League Baseball. We're going to get more of that here in just one second. Again, thanks in the end of the last hour for the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, for joining us. Again, if you ever miss any part of the show, feel free to go back to khdk.com on our podcast page. You get to hear all of the the show, any interviews you missed, any content. Certainly, it is all there for you on khdk.com. But it's always great to catch uh, to catch up with the coach each and every week. And certainly, uh, last night, Kings played well, did a lot of good things, and they deserve to win, and they got it done. And so now they're four and four. They get Charlotte tomorrow. More on that coming up. But let's go into this uh, Buster Posey. Uh, news that came out yesterday officially today uh good representation out there had a panel uh, it was him his wife uh front office people and uh in the crowd not only media but as we mentioned earlier Gabe Kapler was there former players Bochi it was great to see Bruce, uh, Bruce Bochi there um Buster's manager for most of his years in San Francisco but really a um you know a little bit like Buster probably just business-like and did his thing it's come and it's gone and I remember the talk about Buster Posey when he was drafted and his college career and kind of how decorated he was and and how quickly he worked through the organization and the expectations and you know what he really met a lot of those expectations and had just a terrific career he really did and let's hear some reaction from Buster from his press conference and we, we start this with last year. If you think about 2020, where baseball was set to get started, I still remember being down in Arizona at A's training camp. And uh, from the first day we were there, we were in the clubhouse, we were around the players, and uh, spring training games were going on. The second day, I think we had a little less access. Then by the third day, there was a lot of concerns about COVID, and it was just becoming a bigger deal in the U.S., and now the clubhouse was closed to the media, and everything had to be done outside of the clubhouse. We still were able to get Bob Melvin, the manager at the time, of the A's up in the press box, but it just, you could tell some things were starting to change. Well, baseball didn't start. It got pushed back for a few uh, months, and then they played a shortened season, but one of the uh, surprises, I thought, last year was that Buster Posey elected not to play in the 2020 season. So his question was asked about that to the year off, of play uh, affect his you know decision into retirement. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the the year off probably did play into the decision a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I as I mentioned, I I wasn't I didn't approach the season and say this is definitely it. That's interesting. So he went into this last year, had a really good season. Obviously, the Giants had a historically great season. Um, and Buster would add on to that and talked about why he came back, and then the thoughts on the season that just just happened, which really was an amazing year for him and for the Giants. Yeah, I think number one, and I told Jeff, my agent, at the beginning of the year, I said, you know, I want to individually prove to myself that I can still play this game 
at the highest level. Um, because, you know, not playing last year, not having a good year in 19, uh, you know, doubts creep in for sure. And uh, was able to get some good work in the offseason and uh, surrounded by just an incredible team. Farhan alluded to it a little bit, but uh, just it's very cliche to say a special group of guys because it's, uh, it's overused. Uh, but I can honestly say that that clubhouse probably meshed and got along as well as I've ever seen. Um, just, I don't think you accomplished what we did with, you know, the Dodgers breathing down our neck seemingly like since the trade deadline. Um, and it was, looking back on it now, I can say it was fun. I don't know if it was necessarily fun. <laughs> uh, in the middle of it the whole time, but uh, that's the great thing about, uh, you know, being able to, to push yourself and have other people and teammates around you that are pushing the same way. Um, because when it's all done, win or lose, you know if you, you, gave, you put it all out there, uh, it's a satisfying feeling. Well, it should be. I mean, really what he accomplished, what the team accomplished, that'll be, you know, he has three World Series titles, but I, I know he's going to remember his final season a lot with what the team accomplished. And every athlete, most every athlete that I've ever come across, what they say, what they miss the most, obviously they, at some point, they fell in love with baseball. It does become a business. There is a, a job feel to it or whatever sport it might be, NFL, NBA, hockey, whatever, whatever profession you end up as a gifted athlete. Um but especially a team sport, it's the clubhouse, the locker room, the environment, the uh, the teammates, the coaches, the struggle, the joy, the pain. All of that that's the stuff that is the lure, right? You, the, what you're chasing, the goals, individually, team. That's what keeps a lot of people playing. And yeah, there's amazing perks, right? Financial freedom and wealth. Uh, a lot of incredible opportunities and great connections you make over your lifespan as an athlete. But um, that's probably the hardest thing for most people to give up. You know, there there's pain, there's injury, there's physical pain, right? Where, you know, uh, Mike Lamb used to work here years ago. He, you know, he played college football into the NFL and it was hard for me at times to watch him walk down the hallway. I mean, just like, man, it just looked like someone that, you know, has a bad back 24 seven and sore knees and um i don't know buster looks like he's in pretty darn good physical shape and probably that's another thing he wants to stay in pretty darn good physical shape and and taking the year off you know saw probably what it was like to not play baseball for a year as he said in that first comment um one more here from buster about the success of this year did this have any impact on his decision coupled with uh my hip feeling as good as it had felt in a few years Working with those guys, uh, getting some early confidence going, I think that helped me a lot. And uh, I can honestly say no. Uh, playing the way I did didn't, uh, didn't sway me. And I think that's uh, part of the reason that I felt I do feel at peace with my decision um, because obviously it would be much harder than if, if I had felt otherwise. All right, so Buster Posey, some comments from his press conference today as he is no longer going to be a member of the Giants. He's no longer going to be a baseball player. So what's next? What's the next step for Buster Posey? To me, I think he's a Hall of Famer. 
And there's several reasons why I think he's a Hall of Famer. What's interesting to me is, you know, it gets down to what would be your criteria when you think Hall of Fame. To me, there's a feel element to it, right? If you just kind of just say the name, thoughts come out, do you go right away, yeah, Hall of Famer. I do. I do. Then you start to look at accolades. Start listing them. 2010, Rookie of the Year. 2012, MVP. Won the batting title that same year. Um, On an individual basis, was the catcher on three no-hitters. Caught a perfect game. He has a gold glove. He has four Silver Slugger awards. Uh, Seven times voted to the All-Star game or made the All-Star team. And what a lot of people value, maybe the most, three World Series titles. And this was in a 12-year career, a career that, as we said earlier, he missed his second full season. He missed over 100 games with that scary collision at the plate. I think it was against uh, the Marlins. I can't remember who it was, but kind of you know wrecked his knee, missed that whole basically the whole year, over 100 games. And... Then he also missed 2020. There were less games that year, but when you start to look at statistics, which is a lot of what people will do, and then you start to go, all right, this to me is why this is a classic case of you have to have been there and watched Buster Posey play. Because I know it's impossible for us to do this because we did. Those of you listening saw him play. And likely saw most of his career, not all of his bats, but a lot of the big moments of his career. So if we fast forward, I don't know, 50 years from now, someone that never saw Buster Posey play. Decades from now? Decades. And you look at him, and this is where what you're going to do is look at statistics. So that's what a Hall of Fame career is now become because you can't go back to the emotion of the 2010s his role of the 2010s on this team. As I said, a catcher for three no-hitters and a a perfect game. Um, The heart of the lineup on three World Series teams. An MVP, a batting title. You can see all that, but the feel of it. Did Buster Posey feel like a Hall of Famer? To me, yes. Check that box. Statistics or the accolades suggest Hall of Famer. The area that I would say some people would argue would be career statistics. And they are comparable in some realms, not all, to the other Hall of Fame catchers. What I was surprised about when I did a little research on this is in the history of the Baseball Hall of Fame, in the category of catcher, only 19 have gone in. Okay, so then I start to do that and look at look at the 19 well, here's where that becomes interesting because now just what I said, if we go 50 years from now, people would not have seen Buster Posey play. A lot of people wouldn't have. Um, there were a lot of people in there that I'd heard of but had never seen play. So if you just go back to the last 50 years, we're going backwards now. Since the 70s, people that were catchers that are in the Hall of Fame, here's your list. Johnny Bench. Certainly feels like a Hall I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. But yes, that name, what he meant to the Reds, his accolades, two MVPs, Rookie of the Year, 14-time All-Star, 10 Gold Gloves, two World Series, and um, a World Series MVP. 
better stats than Posey, but a much longer career. He had almost, well, not quite, but he had about four, well, we'll go with 3,000 more at-bats. Give Buster Posey 3,000 more at-bats, what's he going to do? Buster Posey's going to end his career 1,371 games, under 5,000 at-bats, 663 runs, 1,500 hits even, 158 home runs, 729 RBI, and he batted over 300 at 302 for a career average. Another one of the catchers that's in the Hall of Fame in the last 50 years, Gary Carter. Look at some of the accolades. 11-time All-Star. That's kind of a popularity contest, but still, 11-time All-Star. Three gold gloves. Uh, five silver sluggers. It's twice an All-Star game MVP. No league MVP, no batting title in there. Uh, had more bats than Johnny Bench. Less runs. A few more hits. Less home runs. Batted 262. Johnny Bench, by the way, was 267. Hall of Famers. No problem with this. Carlton Fisk. Last 50 years. One of the catchers that made the Hall of Fame. Rookie of the year, much like Posey. Uh, Gold Glove, 11-time All-Star, three Silver Sluggers. He put in work. He was a compiler. He kept playing. He he played till he's 45. Buster's 34. So he's going to – he nearly doubled him in at-bats. Nearly doubled him in runs. Uh, 800 more hits. Quite a few more home runs. Doubled him there. And more RBIs batted 269. But no problem with him being in the Hall of Fame. Felt like a Hall of Famer. So Bench, Carter, Fisk, all in the Hall of Fame. A little bit more recently, a little bit more, Mike Piazza. Now, Piazza was a rookie of the year, 10-time silver slugger, 12-time all-star, no gold gloves. He, he was not the best defensive catcher. Uh, did win an MVP and, or in the all-star game. Had over 2,000 uh, 2, more bats than Buster. Had way more runs, more hits, a ton more home runs. Now, he could hit 427 home runs. Batted 308. Mike Piazza was a great hitter. He's in there. Should be. No doubt. Pudge. Yvonne Rodriguez. MVP. Seven-time Silver Slugger. 2000 World Series. Uh, 2003 won the World Series. 14-time All-Star. 13-time Gold Glove. So he was doing it a little bit differently than Piazza. But over his career, he has the most at-bats of all these catchers. Uh, the most hits. The most runs. Not the most home runs. Batted 296. Surefire Hall of Famer, and he's in. And then the last one was just added here recently, Ted Simmons. And he was an eight-time All-Star. Those are his accolades. No other awards there, but uh, played a lot of games, uh, put up numbers. And to me, the case against Buster, if there is one, if there is, it would be because he doesn't have the stats that maybe you think he should have. But I think he did it in a much smaller career. So Buster at 34, what do you think? He could have played four more years, five more years? Maybe more, but let's just give him four or five more years. Also remember that he missed a full season and missed over 100 games in another season. Um, we're talking a guy that's going to be north of 200 home runs, probably still the 300 hitter. More RBI, I mean, more all that. Does he need that? I don't think so. I don't think he needs it at all. And the last one, to me, the last criteria that gets him in, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's fair or not, is him. People like him. People like Buster Posey. And you should say, well, that doesn't matter. It does. It does. People, there's a human element to this. 
His teammates liked him. Opponents liked him. Managers liked him. Broadcasters liked him. The media that's going to be voting on this liked him. How are they not impacted by that? So uh, when you're kind of weighing it and going, well, I don't know. I like Buster Posey. Yeah, let's put Buster Posey in. Whether you think it, it shouldn't be a popularity contest, sometimes it is. Gary Carter was one of the most liked baseball players ever. I thought there was a debate on his Hall of Fame career. He got in. To me, Buster, shorter career. I think the only other reference I was looking up when I was looking at Hall of Fame potential catchers that has a similar career to Buster would be actually Thurman Munson. And he was killed in a plane crash, but he had a couple of World Series, an MVP, uh, uh, some gold gloves, all that, and a shorter career. It was uh, actually one year shorter than Buster. Buster's numbers are a little bit better, but it just by feel, by likability, by credentials and accolades, to me, surefire, he's in. So is Joe Maurer a Hall of Famer? He's on the wait list, right? He's Has he made it five years 20, yet? 23. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look at his numbers. It felt like he was when it happened, but then as his career went on, it felt like he also kind of... I looked at his stats. Did they fall apart a little bit? No, no. Very similar to Buster Posey. Okay. Now... He's got a few... He had... He played 15 seasons. So three more. Uh, he's got, I believe, 500 more hits than Buster. Okay. few less home runs. Let's see... Gold gloves are similar. He's got three batting titles, so two more than Buster. Silver he also had an MVP. MVP, same as Buster. No World Series, but I, you know, for an individual to get to the Hall of Fame, I don't know that World Series should matter. But I think that would be the key to see if voting is if... Maurer gets in? Maurer gets in. If Maurer gets in, then Posey has to get in. Yeah, then Posey definitely has to get in. Um, but at a time, like, the catchers, people were talking about Joe Maurer. Like, he was... He was... The, the catcher in ba- in baseball, so was Posey. What's crazy is with Maurer, it was very early in his career. People were already talking about putting him at first base or the outfield just because of how good of a hitter he was. Yeah. And I don't think that's really taken into – people don't really take that into consideration how incredibly hard it is to be an offensive player as a catcher. Yeah, and that's where – you know, I think some guys that made it to the Hall of Fame ultimately shifted to different positions or kind of get counted. Like Biggio was catcher at the very beginning of his career. But that's where a guy like Piazza, his numbers are just staggering. But there's no goal. Like, no one would consider him. A, I mean, he played the position, but he was a hitter. He was fine as a catcher. Yeah, he just fine. But like Pudge, I mean, and, and you know who else is going to go in will be Yadi Molina. And he's going to be one of the compilers. Yachty? Yeah. Yachty? Yachty, 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 Yachty. Um, he will... Because of his gift as a kid. I mean, he was an incredible kid. It still is. He's still playing. And he's going to get there more for his probably defense, leadership, and then longevity. But Buster's impact in his 10-year ten year window there, 12-year total, um, pretty spectacular. And I think, he, I think he's in. I think mostly what he's known for as he was the guy on the best teams. Yes. Yes. And there's moments, though, of Mad Bum. You need, you need Mad Bum. You need Pablo. You need Renteria. You need Crawford. And, you know, all the way through that, just the different strange success that that Giants team had. But Posey's there That's through the all fun. of it. We always talk about when players get uh, the accolades the, the on how great of a player. Oh, this is a great player. Mm-hmm. It's always, well, look at what team they're on which always usually helps, but baseball is that one sport where it is a lot of individuality. Yeah. 
And the Giants, though they won three World Series in that short span, never felt like they were the Yankees, the Dodgers. How many of those World Series were won were if they just screwed up once? Yeah, one place down the line. You're like, yeah, they're a good team. If Barry Zito doesn't have the game of his life. Right, right. Uh, if Pablo doesn't hit three home runs in game one of a World Series, if if Bumgarner's just not one of the all-time great postseason pitchers, you needed all those things. Then they would be the Dodgers. Right, <laughs> right, or the Braves of the 90s, right? Um, but yeah, Except they had that extra kick, didn't they? Sorry, oh. Dodger fans. Who's that? Huh? The Giants, why they're the, not the Dodgers or the Braves. Yes. So, Buster, congratulations. Really a, a terrific career. Uh, now the Giants literally go forward. I mean, they, they were so high on, you know, some of their minor league guys that got some run here recently, Joey Bart. So he's kind of the next the next one in line, and, and it'll be weird. It was weird last year to watch the Giants without Buster Posey. Um, but I, I do like that. I think there is a charm to someone having a great career like that all in one uniform. And, you know, there's so many – people that have had great careers that have that weird last year and some other team's uniform or a couple years. You're just like, oh, just look or, at, remember when that guy was on that team? Greatest San Francisco giant of all time. Uh, second. Uh, it just depends on what you say. Willie Mays. Yeah, was it the Mets? Yeah, or not the, yeah, the Mets. Um, yeah, just seeing Jerry Rice on other teams. Shaq ended up playing on a ton of teams, but just. Was it Jerry Broncos or Seahawks? All that. Raiders. I mean, he had actually a nice run with the Raiders, but yeah, good for Buster. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And again, a little surprised doing that research about how few catchers in just the last 50 years had even made it. So it's Bench, Carter, Fisk, Piazza, Pudge, and then Ted Simmons just made it as kind of one of those uh, lifetime guys that got in uh, the last couple years here. So uh, that's the group. I think Buster will join that. Joe Maurer, maybe. You'll see Yachty or Molina get there. Um, it's difficult. That position, there's a lot of wear and tear, and sometimes you're just a defensive catcher. Sometimes you're the offensive catcher that ultimately gets moved to a different position, and then there's the rare few that uh, get enough games at that position that uh, validate just uh, terrific careers, and Buster Posey is one of those guys. All right, still to come more on the show, including the crossover at the end of the show. We get you to Thursday Night Football, Jets and Colts. We continue with more right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Holmes, ball fake for a shot, out to box, he'll step into a three, and he scores the triple. Jackson Hayes tried inside, he was denied by Alex Lynn. Here comes Fox on the run, to the rack, he's got the bucket. And the Kings, who trailed by eight moments ago, are on top by three at 21 to 18. Seven on the clock, to Halliburton, fakes the three, drive and kick, Fox wide open for three. This place will explode, and it does if he hits it. 104-91, a 12-point run by the Sacramento Kings. Well, it was good to hear that and see that yesterday. De'Aaron Fox, very, very impressive in his overall balanced game, right? It was what we talked with Luke Walton about earlier in the show. Um, sure. Shots started to fall. That's That was something that I think was expected. I don't know if it's going to continue. I mean, it's an up and down. Shots are made or missed league, right? We know that. But I just like the way De'Aaron's approach to the game. Um, attacked the game. I thought he had some of his best you know, paint presence moments where he, he made the first man miss. You caused so much pressure then on the defense. 
and he had some really creative passes, a five assists. I don't think he had a turnover last night. Let me look that up. Oh, he had one. But a steal, a couple rebounds, 19 points, efficient, above 50%, made a couple of threes. Those were all very, very important in the Kings' win. And I love the balance. Like I said, seven players in double figures. That's going to go a long way. That's going to make you tough to beat. You can't just rely on De'Aaron Fox. It's nice to have him there. It's nice him, and he's more than capable of being the guy that can carry this team. But I think it was better for them that right now, if they can be more balanced, have more depth to what they're doing. And it's been showing with Harrison Barnes having an awesome start, Rashawn Holmes being just steady every night, Fox here and there, Halliburton here. Halliburton was really good last night. Davion Mitchell here and there, Buddy Heald, you know, Tristan Thompson going down the line, Alex Len, Harkless. Um, it's a good mix. It's a really, really good mix. We mentioned Holmes. By the way, a word just came out that looks like Rashawn Holmes was fined $15,000 for that headband toss uh, into the crowd yesterday. So the league, league makes a little money for their charities as uh, Rashawn Holmes ejected from the game. I think that was the second time uh, in his career that he's been ejected. But he healed, ended up getting two technicals at the end of that Jazz game. So he, too, has been ejected this season. But, um, yeah, Rashawn Holmes can get – he can get emotional. He can get uh, frustrated, and it's so important for him to be on the floor. He just played 12 minutes – or 16 minutes last night. Scored 12 points, had six boards, but uh, had some foul issues, and that's something else to watch. Now, there's more depth, like we talked about with Coach Walton. He can and is very comfortable going to Alex Len and more than comfortable going to Tristan Thompson – but it would be nice if Rashawn Holmes can stay out of those situations. He he is It's not every game, but it's happened a couple times. And certainly we had the game earlier this year at, uh, what was that, at home against uh, Utah, where he had fouled out and Coach Walton had to go to the Barnes at the five look, basically with four perimeter guys around him. And so, um, yeah, today, as we said with Coach, off day for the most part, whatever that means, right? Wink, wink, off day. But they're not doing any strenuous work or didn't today. Coaches are preparing and working together to get ready for this Charlotte team who they will face uh, tomorrow. Tonight in the NBA, some uh, some games of note, some games to watch, to follow, kind of to see, you know, it's, it's a long, long season, but I still do it on a nightly basis, just kind of check in on that Western Conference, little evaluation, see what other teams are doing. And if you want to do that, you got the Jazz who – are the best team in the West right now at 6-1. and one. They get the Hawks tonight. Sixers are underway with the Pistons. They've just begun. They're in the first quarter. Sixers lead that one. Uh, Celtics at the Heat. Miami's been off to a great start. They're perfect at home. They're 6-1. and one. That's a good football, a good basketball team, uh, the Hawks and uh, the Heat, excuse me, and Celtics. Rockets at the Suns, and then the Thunder at the Lakers. News, by the way, on the Lakers today. Looks like LeBron James is going to be out for a week with an abdominal strain. And at least one week because of the abdominal strain. That shouldn't impact anything with the Kings and Lakers coming up. That's still a little bit further away. But, you know, you'll hear people say this, and LeBron spends more time, more dedicated to his body and his physical well-being and health than maybe just about any athlete out there. But as you age, I mean, you know it out there, right? It it changes. Things happen, and maybe when one injury happens, this doesn't sound like it's anything major. But LeBron used to just never miss games play through a bunch of stuff, and it's smart for him not to play through this. That's not my suggestion. But it just feels like things are happening a little bit more often for him, uh, missing a few games. He's now a 19-year veteran. He turns 37 next month. He'd already missed just a couple of games this year, but it looks like he's going to miss 
a few more. So we start to do that, though, as far as the West and the standings go. I was talking earlier today with a few people about about the West. And, you know, hey, do you think the Kings are going to make the playoffs? I said, I do. And I have thought they were going to make the playoffs before the season even started. And I said, look, here's one exercise, whether or not it's going to stay this way. But as of right now, I feel pretty comfortable in stating this. The Rockets are going through something, right? They changed basically everything. They're not playing John Wall. They got rid of James Harden. Uh, they had Chris Paul, Westbrook. It's just a completely different team. They're, they're transforming. So they're one and six. They were believed to be one of the bottom teams in the West. It's kind of playing out that way right now. The Thunder are going to have every draft pick over the next couple of years, but they're waiting to get better. Building some young talent probably will move some of that along with picks to get some true bona fide players, but they're one and six as well. And then the Pelicans, the team the Kings have defeated twice already, while they don't have Ingram and certainly while they don't have Zion, aren't the same team. They're one and eight. And the Pelicans of the three, I think when they're right, probably have the best chance to to get things going. But how far behind are they going to be? And right now at one and eight, they're slip sliding away. They've lost five in a row. And it's going to be really difficult for them to catch up. It's possible. But you have to start going like eight and one in the next nine or whenever they start to get everything right. You almost have to flip it to get back closer to a 500 team. And it's tough to do when you're already seven games back. So if that holds, just those three, that's leaves 12 teams left in the Western Conference for 10 spots. It's right there for the Kings. Spurs are off to a slow start. Blazers are below 500. T-Wolves below 500. Clippers are below 500. Suns, Kings, Nuggets are 500. And then even the you know the next group, Mavs, Lakers, Grizz are just 5-3. and three. And the Warriors and the Jazz off to good starts at 6-1. and one. So I like this roster. I like where they stand in the division. I like how they've improved defensively. I'd like more there. I think their offense is still a strong point. I still think that can be better. And they just look like it. They look like it to me. I mean, there's they're not perfect. No one is. Like Coach Walton said earlier to us, they, they're always striving for perfection, though you'll never get it. But when you play these other teams, how far how far off do you think they are? When you watch the Kings and the Jazz, I think the Jazz are the best team. I've told you, I think they're winning this, uh, the uh, whole thing. Kings have played them twice, five minutes to go. They're tied in one game. The other game, they're up one. They've had the lead in every game. And the Jazz are better, but it's not by a lot. And I think part of it is just all the years they've played together. That's a huge factor. And the Kings have now started to play together quite a bit. And I think we're seeing the results of that. All those years of, uh, you know, all those games, let's say, of blowing leads, um, strong starts, bad finishes, other way around. Hopefully they've learned from some of that or just grown from it and figured out the little things to make them better. So, you know, while the Lakers miss LeBron for a week, do they slide a little bit? And and that's still a team that you expect to be in the postseason. But staying healthy will be important. Staying together, avoiding the droughts. That's why I thought last night was important. They'd lost two in a row. Three in a row doesn't kill you. But avoid that. A lot of times when you get to the end of the year and you're like, this playoff team or this team has done this, they haven't lost more than three games in a row all year. We all know last year, 
documented too too well and too closely uh, too close to heart the nine game losing streaks just absolute killers for the Sacramento Kings last year. So only eight games in, but that's a tenth of the season. This will go fast. You know, we say, oh, it's early. Well, pretty soon, you know, they'll get to ten games by Monday. We'll be they'll be ten games in. Before long, we'll go 20 games. Yeah, it'll go fast with a fourth of the season. So uh, they're still in the beginning part. They're 4-4. Four and four. Good things are going, and you know it can be better. That's the point. It's like they're not playing to their peak where you go, this is the best version of this team. There's more to give, and there's more to show, and there's more out there for this team. And that's what, to me, is probably why I'm the most encouraged. All right, break time for us. Still to come, we will uh, also talk about tonight's Thursday night game, that's what we're leading to. It's the Jets and the Colts and more news of the day and also the crossover when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Final segment of the day, Thursday Night Football coming up. Jets and Colts in Thursday Night Football. As we said, in the importance of this game seemingly falls way more on the Indianapolis Colts just based on where they are in the division. Um, something we talk about each week basically with um, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. you got seven teams in each conference that has an opportunity to make the postseason and as, as rough as it's been for the Colts, um, who I do think is a good team, they're not out of it. Now, the Jets are 2-5. and five. You could argue if they got hot, they're not out of it. They're just not the same team. I mean, the Jets aren't good enough, though they have two really good wins, um, beating the Titans and beating the Bengals, but losses to the Panthers, a couple to the Patriots, including the one that just got just crushed 54-13 to recently. Um, you just don't believe they can do it. And as far as the Colts go, they've got to get back in this mix. Um, and can they take advantage of the division, right? The Titans right now are 6-2, and two, looking to be the best team and have had some big wins here lately, but without Derrick Henry, will they slide? Will they have a back half of the season that, that damages them more? And the 17 games gives you another opportunity to have one more game in here and gives you a little bit more time to catch up. So AFC, the 7 in today right now would be the Titans at 6-2 and two leading their division. The Raiders at 5-2 and two would be the two-seed leading their division based on their tiebreaker, two over the Ravens. Ravens would be third, leading their division at 5-2, and two, and then the Bills leading their division at 5-2. and two. Uh, Then you got the extra teams in the wild-card spots with the Bengals, the Steelers right now, and the Chargers. On the outside, Patriots, Chiefs, Browns, and Broncos all at 500, and that's why this game is really important for the Colts, who are 3-5, and five, but just so up and down. So up and down. Um, after an 0-3 start, they had won 3-4, but then they just lost this last game to the Titans. And I think the up and down nature really goes to Carson Wentz, who is either a guy that kind of throws for 300 high-volume TDs and limited mistakes, or those mistakes just kill him. And Carson Wentz this year has kind of done more of the same. There was a play last week in the game against the Titans that just I know what he was trying to do. You, this is a split-second decision you have to make. He's basically going to get sacked either at the goal line or in the end zone for a safety. And his only thought was, let me get rid of the ball. He switches to his left hand and he throws it to the center of the field that's got no juice on. It's just hanging in the air. And it's an easy. it's just a gift pick six. 
And, you know, Wentz is laying on his back, hands to his head, grabbing his face mask, just can't believe what he did. Neither could I. Neither could anybody. Like, what are you doing? You've been in the league long enough, and, and that's where you think you've got the ability. You're, you're not realizing someone's pulling on you as well. There's other players out there. And he's thinking, okay, I'll just get rid of this, throw it to someone close, or at least get it, you know, to the ground. And instead, it's an awful turnover and uh, and a touchdown uh, for the Titans, which they desperately needed that play. So right now on the year, Wentz, I mean, he's he's only thrown three interceptions. I think it's the time. The sacks have been too high. Um and he's averaging about 250 yards per game. But I still think they need to run the ball well with Taylor, spread the ball out as well to some of their other weapons, and limit their mistakes. They should be able to beat the Jets, or will the Jets continue to play spoiler here as uh, their bizarre season goes on? Tomorrow we'll spend a lot more time on the other games in the NFL, including the Raiders trying to go east and handle the situation that they've just had to live through with uh, the awful scenario of Henry Ruggs. Um, and then the Niners in a really big game with Arizona. And Kyler Murray wasn't at practice today. Neither was Hopkins. So two straight days without those two guys. Certainly a different game uh, without them. All right, let's get the uh, crossover before we wrap things up today. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Jason Ross, I am sure you saw the Sacramento Kings release their brand new city jersey. Arguably, not really arguably, this is the best one they've ever had. However, I want you to rank the city jerseys from best to worst. So we got this year's, we have last year's baby blue and black one, the red one, and then the other two baby blues. Let me know which ones are the best and the worst. Okay. Um, I would say arguably because I think the city jerseys last year's were better than are better than this year's. I like the city jerseys last year. I was a big fan of the color scheme. Got it right here. That looks good. They got the checkerboard on the side. Um, dark. You got black. Or is that dark blue or black? I think that's black. And then the baby blue. Little hint of red. Um, you had the red the year before. Was that's not a the one I. That's my least favorite. Um, I can't remember the. Oh, the Sacktown baby. I mean, I, I'm a fan of baby blue. So like that I like one. the. I think it's that one. I'm not sure, but not. I don't like the one. No, it's. I don't like the one where it's the white top, where the the baby blue and the red one are basically the same. Oh, where it's like a half. Like yeah. the top is almost white. Yeah, I like yeah. the full baby blue. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's probably that order. I do like this one. This one looks yeah. good this year. The um, one thing I don't like they about they don't have to change it every year, by the way, but I know they will. It's a soccer thing. Yeah, because they're able to sell it every exactly. year. But uh, the one thing I don't like, I don't like Sacktown. You don't? I don't like the name. It didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. I mean, at first I thought it was weird, but I'm like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. But um, do you know which jersey this year I really like of the of the city jerseys? I was looking at them earlier. Which one? Uh, Toronto's. So Toronto's is black and gold, and it's like the old school, like Raptor on the front. Oh yeah, I did see that. Um, but then you it's like that the, one? yeah. But then the Raptors got the former North City jersey. I, I think it's like perfect. Um, let's see. There was one I did like. Uh, I also like the Hornets. Yeah. Did they have a little bit of a hive or like a honeycomb yeah. type? Yeah. The one that's terrible is Miami's. Well, Miami's is always a. They're either but, hit or miss. They yeah, would, Miami's has had like the best ones. Oh, you didn't like that? The Miami's. Well, it's just it's dark. Then with every different, no, it like, looks neon. like a, a 
It looks like a ransom note. <laughs> um, there was another one I liked. Uh, Houston kind of went back to the. I don't know that I liked the uniforms then, but like in the '90s, they had the pinstripe yeah. dark. I also like San Antonio's. Let me see the Spurs. It's got like a yeah teal. Yeah, there's a little teal there. Bucks look good. Um, OKC is all white. That's interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh... And you know who hates their jerseys? Who? Everyone that has to call their games in those jerseys to see their names. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, at least the NBA is a little easier. It's name and face. You got hopefully you can recognize them. But uh, I can remember Chris doing a game. Uh, one of the first years Sacramento State changed their jerseys, and they don't do it nearly as much as the NFL or the NBA. Excuse me. Um, but it was a season opener, so it's already new players, new names. But they had white jerseys with like gold numbers and it didn't and we were in a press box at utep where you couldn't really even see the you couldn't see the numbers <laughs> at all and you're like okay this is worthless they ended uh, up putting a dark outline behind the guy it. blocked the guy into the there's a guy another guy and i think it was one of the games where one of our linebackers who it's name i don't remember even calling during the game ryan croker ended up with 20 tackles and i went that's a problem the guy had 20 tackles i don't know if i called his name once all right, that's it for us. Uh, we are back tomorrow. Kings will be in action. We'll be at the arena tomorrow for the Kings and the Charlotte Hornets. Hope you enjoy your night. We got Thursday Night Football Jets and Colts coming up right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya.